Welcome to the Crypto Campfire. Their hidden talent is they can open any pickle jar. Mitch and the Professor. Featuring special guest, Will Reeves. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto Campfire Podcast. This is the Professor. And Mitch. And today we're going to be talking with Will Reeves, the CEO of the Fold app. But before we start talking to Will, let's grab that crypto news from the Crypto Jet. Thanks, Professor. Hello, Crypto Campfire listeners, and welcome to the Crypto Council News in a flash with the Crypto Jet. Amended lawsuit against Ripple now offers theory that XRP may not be a security. Blockstack wins patent for its DAP single sign-on product and judge denies Telegram's request to issue gram tokens to non-US investors. That's the cryptocurrency use in a flash with the crypto gent. It is back to you, Professor. Thanks a lot, crypto gent. So, Mace, are you uh, recovering from the beginning of your week yet? <sighs> it is Wednesday, and we're almost over the hump. So, I don't know. I'm doing all right, I guess. I'm Getting surviving. There. There. I'm surviving. Yeah. Be better if you Bitcoin back all the time, right? Oh man. If I was earning <laughs> Bitcoin back and, and making Bitcoin on a daily basis, yeah, it'd be ecstatic. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Keep stacking. How's Keep that stacking. old adage? It takes money to make money. It does. And spending money should earn you a little bit back. That's right. That's right. But yeah, no, it's been a good week. It's been a busy week, I think, for the both of us. We've been both going hard on like 18 different things. So um, we've had a few, what, like almost six days now without a podcast because we blocked off a few days in February to try and catch up on releases. So it's kind of exciting to be able to get back in and kind of get out of the the stress of the beginning of the week and drift away for an hour. It is, you know, after, after like two days, I start to get a twitch. After four days, I start to get ornery. And after about five or six days, I start to really get pissy. So it's like, I need a podcast. We don't want to see that. Let's, let's get this one rolling. Will, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. Great to be here. We're glad to have you. Looking forward to talking to you and learning a little bit more about the Fold app. I don't know where Mitch's experience lies with it, but I know I'm, I'm familiar with its existence, but I haven't had a chance to use it yet or look deeply at how it works. So I'm kind of excited to learn more. Before we get into that, though, I'm kind of curious, how did you actually get into crypto in the first place? And when you discovered it, what part of it got you hooked? Well, that's a, that's a, it's a long story. I think like many people, you, it takes a few introductions to it before, you know, number one, you, you, you start to dive deeper and really pay attention to it. And number two, even take the leap to either start a podcast like yourselves or like myself, you know, run a company building on top of it. So, um, you know, in my, previous kind of background, I've always been an entrepreneur building, you know, consumer tech products, um, primarily in the payment space, um, building peer to peer marketplaces, you know, essentially creating new ways of uh, people to transact with one another. um, And, you know, leverage technology to kind of make new things possible for everyday people. And, you know, along that journey, uh, you know, in my personal life, I had several uh, kind of run-ins with Bitcoin that, that were, you know, what I consider, you know, kind of serendipitous, a little magical, kind of uh, explaining me a whole new, you know, parts of what it could be. I, I saw it in action um, when I was living in Argentina, being used as a kind of store of value, uh, uh, a, an escape hatch, if you will, from a kind of failing economy. I've, I've seen it used in remittances, being from the Sonoma Valley, 
with migrant workers sending uh, money down to uh, Latin America and uh, even covering Occupy Wall Street, seeing it used as kind of a censorship resistant currency there to kind of pay for goods and services. And all three of those show a, a vastly different side of Bitcoin and what, what it can be to different people. And, you know, so it's always been something around and, um, you know, my background is building products. And so they all kind of came together and, you know, we're looking at Fold today. I really love that because it's always great to meet people who got excited about it more from the tech and the use cases of what blockchain in general can do outside of even the cryptocurrency space and not just people that have come in strictly from a speculative side. Uh, I myself actually first discovered it from that side. I mean, I was, once you get in, if you have that mindset, it's really hard not to get sucked into the tech or at least into building some sort of company off of. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, the, the old number go up meme is, is, is really rings true. I, I, I truly believe that that has been one of the primary drivers for new users, at least in kind of the first and kind of developed world from a speculative standpoint. Um, it's an exciting thing to see. Uh, once you uh, witness your first bull run, you're hooked and you're ready for the next. Um, and so I think it's, oh, that's a really powerful part of of Bitcoin in particular, and uh, you know the experiences that I've had um, that are less speculative and more from a kind of use case or even necessity uh, only, uh, you know, were proving to me that this is a a truly global phenomenon that speaks to everyone around the world and can can fit very different purposes. Whether you are a speculator in the first world or someone who's really needs this as a as a part of their daily life and you know somewhere else. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, listening to you speak, you're, you're very well spoken and, and versed in this and, and it's, it's refreshing to, to hear that. Now you say you were, you were in Argentina. What, what brought you there? Um, I went down to Argentina to um, do a little bit of studying, but also, uh, you know, kind of perfect my Spanish for a while. So I lived down there um, and was able to kind of live with a family down there, really get involved at a kind of level where people are living. And, and from that perspective, I was able to see, you know, a, and a great example of, you know, Argentina uh, was a, it was a larger and more productive economy than the United States uh, early on. And it's a great example of a country that ex experienced extreme uh, wealth and productivity, and then went through massive uh, crises and devaluations that, that really, show an extreme level of, you know, what in an economy can be for people. And so the, you know, people from Argentina have seen really all sides of it. And so there are particularly people who understand the benefits of something like, like Bitcoin. So it was a really great place to, you know, have first and early, um, uh, you know, interactions with it. Right. And it, I mean, to be considered the next paradigm, the next, the next shift, I think is, a very accurate way of looking at it as well um, because it's changing the facade of so many different things, you know, be it financially, be it cohesively amongst different countries, people all over the world working together. Um, I mean, all the positives that have come out of it thus far are just beyond comprehensible. I mean, to be honest, from what I've seen. I, I completely agree. I think that's why it's really incumbent on, you know, people working in the space, whether that's uh, providing content like yourselves or building, 
it's really about how do we get this into the hands of more people? Cause it's not really about us telling them the value of it. The value will become evident, whether that is a number co-op and it's an, ec an excellent savings technology or the various other use cases I mentioned. And it's really just about getting people exposure to it, getting them some skin in the game. And so, you know, for me in particular, that's, that's what fold is all about is, is giving the lowest barrier of entry way for someone to gain exposure to it, make it accessible. And so they can start learning about it themselves. Well said, exactly. So let's get into fold app just a little bit. Do you want to give us kind of the quick background on how fold came to be and then run down the basic principle of what it does? Yeah. I mean, fold really, uh, was, has, has, has been around for a couple years. And with that, it has seen the narratives around Bitcoin come and go, you know, fold initially was created because there was this new phenomenon called Bitcoin and a lot of people had it. Um, but it was really hard to use it besides just holding it and sending it, which are, you know, great use cases in, in and of themselves, but there was no ability for you to actually spend it per se at like a, a Starbucks. And so fold was initially created as a way uh, for people to actually start to use it. And it was a great, great adoption tool because you were able to, you know, have uh, a, a Bitcoiner uh, taking their friends out for, you know, Starbucks coffee and then say, hey, this is a real currency, watch this. And they could actually go and made it, make a transaction there at Starbucks. And it really, for a lot of people, when you're talking about money, that's how they think about money as a means of exchange. Well, while, um, and so it provides a, a moment that, that uh, you know, provides a certain reality to it that someone on the other end values this currency enough to have this exchange happen. Yeah, it's all shit. Oh, wait, I can buy coffee with it. I'm in. Yes, yeah, so Starbucks. It, it, oh, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it just takes that. It really is a small example of coffee. Now, what we what we've come to learn though, as the narrative started to change, is that you know, first off, Bitcoin as it was created is a really horrible means of exchange. It takes you know a long time for confirmations to happen. Um, there are fees that the, that the spender has to pay. Uh, whereas, you know, normal people are used to getting rewards from a credit card. And so it really doesn't work in the same way. And so what fold learned, uh, was that while paying for a coffee was a great way to expose Bitcoin to more people, uh, it really wasn't a better way of paying at that moment. So the medium of exchange wasn't there. And so fold quickly started to look at what is the next thing coming that we can actually take advantage of and really bring about the, the, the core value proposition of Bitcoin. And that's uh, right now is accumulating. People want more to hold more. And if they so choose, they can take advantage of uh, technologies like Lightning Network to actually create a nice um, uh, experience of exchange. And so Fold really started to shift away from on-chain payments to a way of allowing people to earn Bitcoin while they're doing their normal shopping, whether that's at Starbucks coffee or take getting an Uber ride or Amazon so that they can start to accumulate it without going through KYC, without um, needing to actually buy any Bitcoin. They can start to see it build. They can see the number go up and down. And for them, it's really just an, an incredible way of having an initial exposure to it. And then they can decide to use it in many ways, spend it, hold it, earn more of it, all the various things. I love it. Now, now let me ask you something. Do you consider yourself a Bitcoin maximalist? So I'm, I'm, I'm primarily uh, focused on Bitcoin uh, as a builder and in my personal life, I've seen 
that is where uh, the the primary value of, of crypto now. I've yet to see, I've seen a lot of great experiments being run, some interesting new use cases there. But in terms of a uh, platform and protocol to build a business upon, and that has proven uh, its stability over a long period of time, to me, Bitcoin is the only one that currently has that mantle. And that's not to say that we may not see something in the future, but right now that is my entire focus is building where the users are, where people are holding this and where the most of the activity is currently. I, to be honest with you, that was the best yes I've ever heard. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a crypto maximalist in the sense that, um, you know, I, I like Bitcoin for its, its purpose, you know, and I, I, I agree it's, it's very slow and costly and cumbersome, hence the need for the lightning network. Um, but you know, if you look at other, uh, coins like Litecoin or um say Digibyte, you know, they're they're really fast and they're more uh they're more set up for the microtransactions or the, the smaller transactions than say Bitcoin would be. Um so that's that's kind of why I asked the question. Yeah, it's a it's a fair question. And in this space it's it's uh you know there's a lot of experiments running, there's a lot of information. And so I think you know, one of the primary things is that, you know, people have to do their own research and they have to go through the, um, you know, the process of figuring out why are we even building this? And so for me, what I've come to understand is that what I think the true value is, is not fast payments. We're not here to build another visa. What we're actually here to build is a global currency that is permissionless, meaning anybody can opt into this and start using it, regardless if it's slow or expensive, and provides a way that there are no capture of any special interest. There's not a um, central authority that is running it or distributing resources. Right now, Bitcoin is the only um, one of the cryptocurrencies that currently holds that mantle. And what, what I believe provides the fundamental benefits of what we're here to build, and that is a stateless currency, something that operates outside of national interests or any other special interests and that provides a level playing field and economic zone for anybody around the world to participate in. And that's a really, really important thing to have because a lot of people don't really understand that just what we already have in Bitcoin is incredibly revolutionary from that standpoint. The fact that there is in existence a single currency that at any given time is valued the same in Australia as it is in India, as it is in America. You know, even if it goes up and down right now, that comes with time. And of course, you know, not the first thing is never perfect, right? You know, there might be a better rendition. Maybe Bitcoin ends up being the end all be all, you know, we don't know at this point in time, but it's important that that is being established. And that really opens up the whole world to a whole bunch of other options. As soon as you can transact like that, that's when all the really cool use cases start coming which kind of makes me wonder. So out of all the non Bitcoin or even cryptocurrency related use cases that are not quite ready yet, which one do you think might possibly be most promising? And I'm not asking for a specific project here, but like what type of use case do you think might be oh, most promising? Definitely BCH SV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. No, it's, uh, that's appreciated. I mean, uh, you know, to be honest, I think everyone needs to approach this with a, a, that kind of spirit. Again, a lot of this is, is happening in experimentation. What I look at all of the other currencies is a, an experiment of what if, what if Bitcoin traded off 
um, security for speed? Or what if Bitcoin traded off privacy for um, uh, auditability? Uh, they're all of what I imagine all of the, the, the other cryptocurrencies are there is exploring a, a possibility of where Bitcoin could have gone at the base protocol. And from right now, I think there are some many things that are, are interesting. I think there are projects on others that are, 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 you know, could provide some fundamental value. But in my, my opinion, the most important thing is to have a base layer that is uncensorable, that is distributed, and that you can build all of these other services on top of. And so what I kind of look at all of the other cryptocurrencies is a little bit of experiment, but also a bit impatience um, for actually building it on top of Bitcoin. What we are going to see is that Lightning Network and possibly other layer two solutions over Bitcoin is going to give Bitcoin the same speed and and low fees as other currencies were created to do entirely. And Bitcoin's gonna do that without sacrificing the fundamental base layer that it's built on. We're gonna see other layer two solutions that provide a semblance of smart contracts like you might see on being built on Ethereum. Again, without sacrificing the sound monetary infrastructure and policy that it currently stands on. And so I appreciate all of the work that everyone has gone into to explore these different avenues and what ifs. But right now, I don't believe any of them have proven enough um, progress, adoption, um, uh, or value that I, that I currently see it ever replacing Bitcoin. If anything, I see them creating great insights for what could be built on top of Bitcoin later. Yeah, so I mean, I guess kind of what I was getting at was not necessarily something that would replace Bitcoin, but what other specific use cases, you know, like there's people trying to use blockchain for supply chain, there's people trying to use right. blockchain for stamping your, your creative works, things like that for copyright. Um, that's a great, yes, that's, that's a, you know, that's a, I think in, from that context, you know, when, when I look at the, un, when, when I look at the, you know, the, the stack that creates Bitcoin, one of those things is this thing called a blockchain. And really, um, the way I like to describe a blockchain is a very slow, expensive Excel sheet. Yep, it's just another data structure is all it is. Another data structure, but a data structure that is extremely expensive to change. And so what that means is you have to have a use case that people value that expense, that, if, that efficiency enough to actually make that trade off. And so I think there are a lot of things that might involve a blockchain that could work but I don't think represents a fundamentally large enough market to justify the inefficiencies, the expense of an underlying blockchain for now. Yeah, I mean, because if you just run it, you know, because what you're going to start out with is a centralized type of blockchain, you know, in, in most of these cases. And in that case, you know, you might as well just be running a slow ass database. And until you truly achieve full decentralization, you're not really taking advantage of what blockchain offers you. Um, I, exactly. So that's the hard part is like, how do you get to that point? And that's what you're, that's what you're saying is like that incentive for people to actually run the nodes and, and what have you. And, and that's why cryptocurrency comes into play, you know, cause you've got it, that monetary value drives that incentive. So where does that incentive come from in a non-monetary system? Yep. I look at a lot of these projects and again, there's very interesting use cases but if you look around at history, um, 
you don't see many cases of, of a small group of humans running a large organization, giving up control voluntarily. And so I kind I, I, I think there are interesting things being done with Zcash currently that are currently trying to move away from a centralized um, kind of operating structure to a decentralized operating structure that are interesting. But I would question the, the ability because I do believe in, you know, human's own self-interest that um, relinquishing that centralized control is something I don't know has happened in history, especially when we're talking about the amounts of money that are involved in some of these ecosystems, that releasing that control is something that um, will be interesting to see if that can actually happen. Oh, (laughs) there's no question about that. The, the, to get rid of that centralized factor that controls the flow of currencies throughout the world, you know, different currencies that are out there, you know, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of pushback, right. And because there's a lot of sacrifice for the, for the money that people have made off of that over the years. So it's, it's crazy to think that way. So let me, you know, I might not be the right one to ask you this question, but I got to ask it, you know, I because of what I've heard and hearing, you know, shit throughout the locale that I hear it, you know, mostly Twitter and, and the internet, stuff like that, uh, conversations. But as far as like the security or the continued security of Bitcoin with the um, mining being halved and that the these larger mining farms are now combining forces is there not concern of the stabilization of the decentralized nature of bitcoin in the long run i think that is one of the fundamental things that we need to be um, paying attention to i think that is a primary weakness or attack vector of bitcoin in general and so yes if that if we could imagine a reality where that goes where we don't do anything about that. And that truly goes the wrong direction. And that could sacrifice some of these major tenants that I'm talking about of the, you know, the base structure of this protocol. But um, what we have to know is that, you know, Bitcoin provides incentives for people to uh, contribute to this network. And just, I believe the other day, um, uh, uh, layer one technologies just spun up their mining farm out in West Texas. They are projecting that within 2021, that they'll take over 30% of the hash rate, um, which will be a very large kind of ballast or balance to, you know, where these miners are coming from and where the majority of hash rate is, is emanating from. And so I think projects like that and increasing the decentralization by allowing people to run nodes themselves, not creating, you know, not, you know, creating these gigameg blocks that make it impossible for individuals to actually run a node or um, even potentially engage in, in mining themselves. I think we need to pay specific attention to that. And I think that should be a KPI for all of us that care about Bitcoin is where is this hash rate coming from? And are we putting too much, too many eggs in one basket? And do we need to do something? But the thing I'm confident about is that Bitcoin provides such a strong economic incentive that um, when you do see that centralization happen, there are many places around the world that have just as much, um, you know, access to cheap or free energy that are not, re- you know, s- siloed in. You know, China is a common one that people say um, that can in- 
can contribute to this decentralization there. But I totally agree. This is Bitcoin is by far a not a finished project. It's something we have to continuously defend. Right. Some I wanted to comment on on the point of the transition from a centralized ecosystem to a decentralized ecosystem. This afternoon on Twitter, I noticed there was some commentary on something that happened on the Tron blockchain. I guess there was some concern that the like three of the super representatives weren't upgrading to the next version. And so Tron actually used some of their locked funds to vote um, to new super representatives in because they, they weren't adopting the new stuff. And it's like, that's, that's one of those things that you kind of want to question and where you want to like look closely at how the company is managing that. And are they ever going to really relinquish that control? I, this, this, this applies and we've seen cases of this and nearly every single other cryptocurrency or, or blockchain project where, where it may emanate from a centralized authority with the best of intentions. Once it starts to deviate from where they think it should go, they very quickly start to use these centralized practices that bring it very far away from you know, what they have been preaching. And so I think all of them, you know, you look at IOTA, for instance, they were able to turn IOTA off. They just turned it off. So I can't, going back to the fundamental thing of why are we here? And it's certainly not to have even more increased centralization. Bank of America couldn't turn themselves off as fast as IOTA did. So you even start to come and look at like, what, what are we here fundamentally for? And is an idea of a kill switch or any, anyone having the ability to turn this switch even remotely part of the equation? And for me, it's not. Yeah, it's that thing where like part of the community starts to disagree with the changes that are being made. That's the design and that's how it's supposed to work. You know, it's supposed to, if it starts to go that way and nobody wants to upgrade, that's because whatever change that was suggested was not voted in by the community or whatever, right? So when, when they have start throwing in those centralized practices, like you were saying, and, and throwing their weight around, it totally takes away from that community-driven aspect. And then, of course, there's that balance of, well, at what point is the community finally mature enough to actually handle that and make that decision? Because in a lot of cases, you know, if you just gave them that control at the beginning, it would just go nowhere. So that's, that's just a huge difficulty in those uh, ecosystems that depend on true decentralization to function properly. And that, that points to a core piece of why, you know, why Bitcoin is, is, I believe, so special. Not only do you have Satoshi who voluntarily disappeared, but you, you also have a thing that it was able to grow as an ecosystem, as a protocol, really under the radar for many years where it was more just a collectible people were running nodes securing that and it just hit a certain critical mass where you despite having all of the major companies building on top of bitcoin they were unable to change bitcoin so they ended up forking it into you know dch as we know or the new york agreement that all came to fail all of these things show why it's important that you have to, that Bitcoin essentially was able to start from a place of decentralization very, very quickly, grow under the radar so that the network was able to become resilient to any special capture of special interests. So much so that even the people with doing the most, uh, you know, commerce and had the most kind of money to, to make these changes were unable to do it. They had to go and just fork the network itself. Absolutely. 
dude i i i love your passion this is this is a great podcast i i'm, I'm enjoying the crap out of this now you know when you when you talk about um validity and you, you know or you talk about i should say bitcoin as being um the only true decentralized um protocol and is, is that because or does the fact that satoshi uh, Nakamoto just voluntarily disappeared and never really presented himself. Does that give it more validity because of that? Or what, what, what makes it so valid? You know what I mean? I, I, I think it is a, a, a mixture of a lot of things. Unfortunately, it, it's one of those things that I don't know, like we talk about, you know, maybe another Bitcoin could come, but it certainly would never come under this incredibly special, strange, rare circumstances that oh, for sure. And so it would certainly have to have whole new mechanics to be able to do that. Like right now, if you were to launch a new, a new chain, the thing would be 51% attacked into, into just into its own grave. So it would have to have whole different dynamics of actually how this would work. And so when I talk about Bitcoin being, you know, the most decentralized or the, the one, the, the one that certainly satisfies that definition more than others, it's a, it's a, just a factor of number one, the amount and diversity of actors in the network that there, there is no head of um, Bitcoin that the, even the head of it disappeared. Um, right. And uh, that right now it has been proven to be able to deflect countless attempts for special interest to take it over. Again, the many forks that happened, uh, many different value propositions that forked Bitcoin and said, no, it's more private, it's faster, it's cheaper, it's better, it's less wasteful. All of those projects have not even come close to the same network effect. And even those have now, you know, the excuse that, you know, they're new and haven't been around that long, you know, even at its stage, Bitcoin is at a, at a far more advanced stage at when it was, when, when it was the same age as the others now. And so it's, it's one of those things that I just think it is, it is, was a, what is a completely rare phenomenon to see that allowed it to become what it is. So I got to ask you a question to take this off the rails here just a little bit, because here we go close to the end and we, we kind of have to, we have to go this route. So if you could replace your nose with any household object, what would it be? My nose. <laughs> yes. Sniffa. <laughs> okay. My nose with a household object. This is certainly off the rails. I will say <laughs> Jesus. Um, we have a way about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see here. My nose is a household object. Um, you know, my phone dies every 30 minutes, so I could use an, a, a phone charger and I would plug it directly in. You know what? That would be, you just turn your nose into like a phone docking station. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just like the, like an old slot, like a uh, slot CD drive. <laughs> Sucks it I love it. I love it. How much energy can you generate out of your nostrils? Yeah. Hey, it hey, doesn't look too different than a phone, uh, than a nose anyway. Got the two holes. So I guess right. I could kind of look normal and be more product helpful to people. Right. Perfect. And then there, there are those chains that go from the ear to the nose nowadays. So yeah, you wouldn't look too silly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, shit. oh, that's great. 
That was good. <laughs> um, hang on. Let me recover from that. That was good. <laughs> You're still recovering from the visual of docking your phone in your face. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. So let me ask you this. Do you, are you consider yourself a trader or a holder? Oh, I'm a holder. I, I am a horrible, I, if yeah. there, I, think, I think I thought about trading once and I just didn't do it and then just saw what the outcome would have been. And it was just horrible. I, I don't have the stomach for trading. I am far one of those that just, just, just hold and build. And that's what I know. And I'll leave the trading to the traders. You know, I, I, I took that question and I, I really missed a, a good one here. And if I may, Professor, um, I, I'm curious to know, because you, you talk about the uh, commerce side of things, what are your thoughts on the current situation with the virus and, and how it's going to impact commerce all over the world? Well, I think, number one, it provides an incredible um, uh, cover for any company that is stumbling in any way, missing revenue projections or anything like that. Uh, so we're going to see a lot of that. But, you know, to be honest, we are going to very quickly realize how reliant and how tied our economy is to, uh, to the Chinese economy and that we're going to feel the effects of, of those things. And we already are. You can look at the yes. Apple earnings. In my own experience, um, you know, talking with other Bitcoin companies about, you know, helping them raise funds. You know, there are funds out in China that just can't contribute to any, 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 um, any fundraising rounds right now. They're just tied up. And so you're going to see it have these just strange effects that really affect a lot of things that in our world. And it's only going to be a, a picture of how closely enmeshed, you know, our worlds are. For sure. It's It's going to be, it's going to be pretty drastic. There's, there's no question about that. It's, it's going to get ugly real quick. All right, man. I got one more question to ask you before we get off the phone here. I know that you pretty much prefer Bitcoin, but if you were going to just take five grand that you were awarded and just dump it into some random coin as a moonshot long-term, what would you pick? Not financial advice, just crazy moonshot. Crazy moonshot. Jesus. Um, Definitely not financial. And, and does that even make sense? You know, <laughs> I mean, I, again, uh, me as a trader and being able to spot this stuff, I'm one of those who, I don't know if I can spot things early like that. I already told you how many times Bitcoin had to hit me over the head before I truly <laughs> got it. And it was already too late. And so now look at me trying to catch up and build and make my contribution. And so right. I, 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 put, I, I would put that um, in whatever coin that I couldn't put into Bitcoin, I'd put it in that and use it as collateral to leverage back into Bitcoin. Nice, and so, nice. Um, I really don't, I just don't know. And I'm not good at those things, but what I am, what I am good at is, is building and understanding network effects. And right now there is no other place that I would be building or contributing to and putting my time, which is the only thing I really value the most out of all this on anything, but, but Bitcoin at this moment. Well, that's perfect though, because I, I really love your answer. I actually almost wasn't going to ask you that just because of that. And so I was like, I just want to see what he comes up with here. How he squirms out of that one. <laughs> exactly. That right? so I actually loved it. That, that was a really creative way of uh, keeping beliefs on what you truly believe in and not, and not just answering something just to answer it. So I love it. I, I you know, I, I, if the crypto campfire had a coin, he'd obviously be buying that. because hey, that, that wasn't <laughs> listed at the time. So it's I, not, I, 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 <laughs> exactly. This has been an amazing podcast. 
you know, I, I really enjoyed it, Will. And I, I'm sure the professor would agree. We definitely would love having you back on the show um, here in the future and talk to more and also see how things are going with the Fold app. Um, you know, big shout out to my friend Clint Westwood that uses your app religiously and is always telling me, Mitch, you gotta, you gotta get the fold app. You gotta, you gotta earn these Satoshis back. You know? <laughs> and so I just, you know, reluctance and I don't know, procrastination more or anything's kept from it, but I'm definitely going to look into it a little bit more. Myself. Clint Westwood is going to be massively excited for this podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Clint Westwood, Rebecca, I, I, I love them all. They're, they're incredible users and have given us incredible insight about where to take fold. And I will say that um, over the next 90 days, you're going to see some incredible news come out of, come out of fold. And uh, it might be time after those, that time to have another visit so uh, we, can, we can catch up on all that. There you go. I mean, one of the questions he wanted me to ask was when you were going to add Litecoin because he's he's he wants to start st- <laughs> stacking Latoshis. <laughs> hey man, yeah, I can help. I can help you find a way so you can liquidate your Satoshis if you want to get Litecoin. We can do that. Um, that's not going to happen in the next ninety days. We'll see after that. Good, good. You know, <laughs> if there's any other decentralized coins or uh currencies out there litecoin's probably one that i would that i would put value into um outside of bitcoin for sure so again this has been a great podcast thank you so much for joining us this evening um definitely look forward to round two and seeing you around the universe awesome mitch and professor it was great to be here thanks buddy we're looking forward to the next one all right bye yeah take it easy that was a great podcast. Absolutely amazing. It was. I had a really good time talking to him and learning a little bit more. I mean, I liked learning about the Fold app and all, but it was really cool to hear his insight on because that was yes. something that was really on my mind today and, and yesterday is this whole like transition period of these DAOs and, and other type of blockchains that are similar that have to transition from a centralized system to a decentralized system and how hard that process is. You know, it's one of those things where like, if you don't get it right, if you let go too soon, then it might get run into the ground. But at what point do you determine, determine that it's actually right to let go? It's a, it's a hard concept. It's a big deal, you know, and that's why I asked the question about the 51% and all of these new mining companies um, pooling the resource, you know, pooling resources. And, you know, that, that does pose a pretty valid concern that we all should have for crypto or for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing that's important, and it depends, you know, on how things go. If you end up getting enough, like, centralized corporate control, you might be able to, to end up doing that between enough partnerships of these big mining firms. But I think what we're going to end up seeing is when that time comes and there is a shift in agreement between which way the network needs to go. And there's these big organizations of miners. I would like to think that those would eventually represent the greater majority of the community. Even if there is still a pretty significant amount that disagrees, it's all the, the structure of it is just to allow the majority to make the decision. So it, we, we can just kind of hope that it actually represents the majority of the people and not just one large collaboration of a few companies. And- oh, for sure. For sure. So yeah. Great podcast, man. That guy's awesome. I, you know, we, we need to have a couple of more unsaid 
Bitcoin maximalists on our show. I, <laughs> you know, like that answer to the question was so perfect. It was like, okay, that was the longest yes I've ever heard, but it was amazing. You know, <laughs> it was perfect. It was. So guys, thank you so much for joining tonight. We, we really enjoyed this podcast. It was fun to do. We hope you enjoy it as well. Um, please leave your feedback. Uh, let us know. Follow us on YouTube. Click that like button. All that good stuff. That's the best way to support us. If you guys are really liking what we're doing, please feedback. If, if there's something in the show you guys want to see, want to hear, let us know. We're all about that. And if you don't like us, let us know. We're yeah, not all please. about that, but still let us know. Right, right. <laughs> now, we got some we got some GFY tokens we can send you. There you go. So, we'll, we'll stack those up. Yeah, we'll stack those up. GFY Until token then. giveaway. Speak your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have yourselves a great one. Take it easy. Peace.